Galatians 4, verses 1 through 7. Paul writes, Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and stewards until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. But when the completion of time came, Yahweh sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, Yahweh has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through Yahweh. Yahweh bless His Word to our hearts today. So in the last lesson, I centered in on verses 1 through 3, and I talked about how that Paul used an analogy to better explain Galatians 3, 22 through 29. And I think he does the same thing in verses 4 through 7. It's just a repeat of something that he's already explained. So he says, I'm going to tell it to you in a little bit different way so that maybe you'll understand better. Preachers like to say the same thing twice. I do that a lot. And I find myself always trying to come up with a different or a new way to explain or to illustrate something. But it's because I want to help people understand better. I want to take something that's complex and not make it more complex, but make it easier to understand for this community or for anybody that I talk to. Our goal should always be to learn things and then to educate people. Not to sound smart or intelligent, but to make things where people can understand them. So we had gotten to verse 4. We talked about 1 through 3 last week in general. We got to verse 4, and verse 4 speaks of the completion of time. When the completion or the fullness of time came. And it says that this time was set by the Father as we talked about in verses 1 through 3. And this particular time, spiritually, was set by Father Yahweh. And it is defined in verse 4 as, when the completion of time came, Yahweh sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 5, to redeem those under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. That is the pinnacle point here in this text. And I'll go so far as to say that is the pinnacle point in all of human history, is this right here. This is why He calls it when the completion or the fullness of time came. Yahweh sent His Son. If that event had not taken place and everything that's involved within that event, if it had not happened, no person would even have a chance at salvation. Salvation would not even be offered to anyone. See, the law of Yahweh, while it is holy and it's just and it's good and wise, the law is not the Savior. Yahweh is the Savior. The way that Yahweh saves you from your sins is not by giving you the law. He gave the law, but the law reveals that you are a transgressor of it. Even on your best day, you're not as good as Yeshua. Can you say amen? (laughs) I've had some pretty good days where I felt pretty good about my obedience. Got a little puffed up, a little boastful. 
And then Yahweh brought me back down and said, you're comparing yourselves among yourselves and you need to compare yourself with my, my Messiah, with my Son. So Yahweh did not give His law to save you from your sins. The way that Yahweh saves people from their sins is Galatians 4.4. 4. In the fullness of time, Yahweh sent His Son. So from the very beginning of time, and I'm speaking of time even in the mind of Yahweh, the Son was in view. The Son was never an afterthought in Yahweh's mind. He was the Lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. Revelation 13 verse 8. Peter says that he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. Yahweh did not try one thing and then fail and say, Oops, i got to try something else. That's not what Yahweh did. He did not have to come up with a backup plan. No, from eternity past, Yahweh had everything laid out. He just waited until the right time. His time. The fullness of time. Then He sent forth His Son. This is the greatest occurrence that has ever happened in human history. So Paul writes here in verse 4 that this Son was born of a woman. Sometimes I think that Paul is kind of pointing to the virgin birth here in this verse. I definitely believe that Paul, after coming to the knowledge of Yeshua, he believed in the virgin conception and birth of Christ. But I'm not sure that that's Paul's point here. I think that it could be. Let me explain. I believe that the phrase born of a woman or made of a woman, depending on what translation you read, I think it's just a common way, a vernacular, maybe a euphemism, to speak of a human being being born. I was born of a woman. If you ask me, what gender were you born of? I was born of a woman. Everybody comes through a woman, or at least... For the large majority, we'll talk about that in a second. I was born of a woman, you were born of a woman, that's how humans are born. And I believe that Paul here is centering in on the humanity of the Messiah. Yeshua was a human being. He was a man. He ate food. He slept. He cried. He hurt. Um, Brother Luke tells us that he grew in knowledge and favor with both mankind and with the Almighty. He experienced what all of us humans experience, life. The author of Hebrews, although it's not part of my notes, but the author of Hebrews, it's a beautiful verse, talks about how that Yeshua as our high priest is able to be touched by our feelings and our infirmities because He was tempted in all points like we are, yet, yet, without sin. He didn't give in to temptation. We need to thank Yahweh for that. Why does Paul mention that here though, born of a woman? Well, the context here is Yahweh doing something through His Son that the law could not do. See, the Son was born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem us which are under the law. The Son of Yahweh is the second Adam. He's a human being like Adam, but He's a new creation. And if Paul had Adam in mind here, it's, and it's possible, if he had Adam in mind when he was writing this down, he may have very well been thinking about the virgin birth of Yeshua. Because that kind of links up with the first man Adam, because the first man Adam was made from virgin soil. He didn't have a human father or a human mother. Yahweh created him directly from the dust of the earth and then breathed the breath of life 
into him and he became a living soul. Paul, the same author, tells us in another of his epistles, Romans chapter 5, that by man came death. That's talking about Adam in Genesis. By man came death. And then he says, and so also by man comes the resurrection of the dead. That's talking about the second Adam, Yeshua. Paul is teaching that what the first man, Adam, lost, the second Adam found. What the first man, Adam, messed up, the second man, Adam, cleaned up. Through one man's trespass, many were made sinners. Even so, through one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. It's not something that we necessarily want to agree with in our humanity because we want to be able to be judged on our own accord, which that wouldn't do us any good because any one of us, had we been in Adam or Eve's place, would have done the same thing. If you think that you wouldn't, the reality is you already have. You've already sinned. But Adam is, our, Adam is, like, our, is like our head. He's the first guy. It's kind of like when... Um, the Philistines fought the Israelites and they sent Goliath out. Goliath was, was a representative of all the Philistines. If Goliath won, the Philistines won. If David won, the Israelites won. And so we lost in Adam and all who are in Adam die. But Paul says, even so, all who are in Christ shall be made alive, or in the Messiah shall be made alive. So through one man's trespass, we were made sinners, but through one man's obedience, that's the Messiah, many will be made righteous. That's why we have to be attached to the Messiah through faith. Adam said yes to temptation. He did. Read the book of Genesis. He said yes. Well, the devil came and tempted Yeshua in the wilderness while he was fasting for 40 days. And each time the devil brought temptation to Yeshua... Yeshua said, no, no, no. Even when the devil would say a certain scripture and he would twist it, Yeshua would say, but it is also written, man shall not live by bread alone. Or it's also written, thou shalt not tempt Yahweh thy Elohim. Or so forth and so on. He said no. Adam said yes to sin. Yeshua said no to sin. And Paul is telling the Galatians that Yeshua of Nazareth is the son that Yahweh sent forth, and that he is the man that repairs what Adam broke. He is the second Adam, born of a woman. Through our faith in the Messiah, in what Yahweh the Father has accomplished and done in and through Him, we can be attached to the Messiah and we can be forgiven of our sins against Yahweh's holy and righteous law. I think that's what Paul meant when he wrote that little line, born of a woman. And then Paul continues by saying he was born under the law to redeem those under the law. Some people take born under the law here to just mean under the time period of the law or maybe Jewish or Israelite or under the dispensation of the law. And I've thought about that and I've given that, I've molded around in my mind. I always like to read a multitude of scholars and and people, and see what people who have studied the Bible before me have thought over the years, because I don't have everything ironed out. But I don't think that that's what Paul meant here when he said, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. Especially when I have studied chapter 3 that leads up to chapter 4. 
That would probably be a good thing to do, right? Interpret chapter 4 based on chapter 3. <laughs> and I think that this is talking about He was born under the penalty of the law to redeem those which were under the penalty of the law. Let me explain that. In Galatians 3, verse 13, the chapter right before this, it says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Two very important words. Never leave them out. Becoming a curse for us. That is substitution. He took our place. He died for our sins. He died for the sins of all those who place their trust in what Yahweh has done through Christ. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5, is another way of speaking Galatians 3.13. See, there's a penalty that comes with disobedience to the law. That is separation from Yahweh. Death, the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. John 3.16, the, the famous verse, whoever believes in the Son will not perish. That's the wages of sin, is to perish or, or to die. That's eternal condemnation. That's the second death. Yeshua was born under the law, and I think what that means is He was born to become a curse for us. Just like Paul just wrote in Galatians 3.13. He hung upon the tree not for His own sins, but for my sins and for your sins. Isaiah 53 comes to mind. He was wounded for our transgressions, not His own. They esteemed Him smitten, stricken of the Almighty and afflicted, but He wasn't being afflicted because He had sinned. He was wounded for our transgressions. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned our own way, but Yahweh hath laid the iniquity of us all upon, upon Him. Now, it is very hard not to personalize this, and I do believe that He is my personal Savior. I think Galatians 2 teaches that. It kind of becomes a Christian cliche, but I don't think it's anti-biblical. I think He is our personal Savior. And I'm so thankful that He is, but Paul here isn't specifically speaking about Matthew in Galatians 4. He's not speaking about me technically. He's speaking about him and his fellow Israelite people. Those who were raised in the Torah. Those who were circumcised the eighth day and, and learned the Shema and said it every morning and every evening. He's talking about children that never knew anything different but the life in Israel. I think that's what he uses the pronoun we for. Here in Galatians 4 verses 1 through 5, he continues to use the we just like he did when he talked about the schoolmaster. When Paul mentioned the schoolmaster or the tutor or the guardian in Galatians 3, he was speaking specifically about the people of Israel. They were the ones that were given the law. They were the ones that were reared in the law. Paul is speaking of a time period prior to the first coming of the Messiah, how that the people of Israel were shut up or enslaved, not due to their obedience to the law. Obedience to the law brings blessings, but they were shut up and enslaved due to their disobedience to the law due to their breaking of the law. And Yahweh's saying, look, I'm tired of you guys transgressing the commandments that I've given. These Israelites were like children in a home. They were learning the ABCs of the faith. And then something happened. Then what had been predestined from all eternity took place. And that is the Messiah. He showed up, Galatians 4.4, when the fullness of time came, Yahweh sent His Son. His Son was born of a woman and He was born under the law. Why? To redeem those which were under the law. Now while in one sense that can be all of us because we've all sinned against Yahweh's law, 
In another sense, Paul wants to point out that the Israelites needed redemption. Not just the Gentiles, not just the heathens, not just those that are out of the covenant, but even those that he gave his law to, they need to be redeemed. They need to be purchased. That's what redemption means. It means to purchase or to rescue from loss or to ransom. Redemption has to do with Yeshua coming and living sinless by the law and then dying on the tree to pay the penalty for the Israelites who had trusted in the promised Messiah. That's past tense. Who had trusted in the promised Messiah. Who were then trusting in the Messiah. Or like us, who would later trust in the Messiah. See, everybody comes to salvation the same way. Through faith in Yahweh and His promises and His plans. So... People in the Old Testament that we read about in the Old Testament, they weren't saved any other way than we are. They were saved by faith. And that faith leads to faithfulness, but it begins by trust and belief and confidence. I believe in Yahweh. I believe in everything that He says. I believe in everything that He does. Um, No matter what it is, no matter who He uses. That's redemption. And then, of course, Yeshua, after He died, He was resurrected from death. The death without the resurrection wouldn't mean anything. Yahweh resurrected Him from death so that death held no power. Sin held no power. The devil held no power over the Messiah. And then He was given immortality and He was seated at the Father's right hand in the heavens. And He's been our high priest after the order of Melchizedek ever since. Hebrews talks about this. That's all redemption. That's the pinnacle point in human history. This is Yahweh the Father intervening into time and doing something that none of us can do. If you read the Bible, you find out that none of us can do it. We've all sinned. Paul ends in verse 5 by saying, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Notice he uses that we again. That's the plural pronoun. He's talking about him and his fellow Israelite kinsmen. He's telling the Galatians here that even the Israelites have to receive adoption. And that the adoption process is not actual until an Israelite places faith in the Son whom Yahweh sent. And it is not complete until the Son is sent and accomplishes what the Father predestined and foreordained. In the fullness of time. Galatians 4 verse 4. The word adoption refers to the placing of a child. Placing as opposed or in distinction from someone naturally born into a family. Yeshua is the only child of Yahweh that is not adopted. He's it. He's the only begotten Son. Anyone else who comes into the family has to be placed into the family. Like when a child that's not naturally born biologically into a family gets placed into that family. How? By adoption. When this happens, that child, that adopted child, becomes the legal heir of his or her parents. They are no longer lost. They have been found. They are no longer without a family. They belong to a family. Israelites have to be adopted by Yahweh. And this does not happen. This is Paul's point. This does not happen by being just being born into an Israelite family. Being a little Israelite boy, born of a Hebrew woman, circumcised the eighth day, and you begin to hear Hebrew or Aramaic words back then. 
and you learn the Shema Yisrael from Devarim 6 verse 4 and you don't know anything different, that's not what makes you an adopted child. There were many Israelites that were circumcised of the flesh, but they weren't circumcised of the heart. There were many Hebrews that would go to synagogue every Sabbath, but it wasn't inside. These words I say today will be in your heart, Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says. You'll teach them to your children. So it's got to be something that works from the inside out. Not necessarily from the outside in. That's not how Yahweh operates, but from the inside out. If being born a genetic Israelite is what made somebody an adopted child, then there would be no need for that Israelite to place their faith in Yeshua. After all, they'd already be a son or a daughter. And this was the problem with the Judaizers or the influencers in Galatians. They put confidence in their flesh. And when Paul writes in their flesh, like in Philippians 3, they put confidence in their flesh, he's not talking about salvation by works necessarily. He's talking about salvation by genealogy. He's talking about they put confidence in who they are. I'm saved because, after all, I'm a Hebrew. After all, I'm an Israelite. Look at me. I, I was born into the family. Paul says, no. We have to receive the adoption of sons. In the fullness of time, Yahweh sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those which were under the law, that's Israel, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Not that we already have, but that we might receive it. Now those Israelites that had put faith in the promised Messiah, they, they were saved by faith. They received salvation by faith, just like everybody else. But it wasn't an actuality until the completion of time came. Until what had been predestined way back here happened way over here with the Messiah living, dying, resurrecting, going to heaven. All of that. The Judaizers would, some of them at least, they would tell you that they believed in the Messiah. That's not where their reliance was. They were more concerned with who they were in the flesh and they wanted to get the Gentiles to become one of them. You've got to become one of us and we're going to tell you how to do it. In order for you to really be saved, we know you believe in the Messiah, but you've got to do something else in order for you to really be saved or forgiven. So Paul says that the Son was sent so that he and his brethren might receive the adoption of sons. They do not get it because of who they are. They only get it if they have genuine faith in Yeshua. Then Paul says in verse 6, Galatians 4 verse 6, he says, and because you are sons, now notice the switch from we to you. Just like in Galatians 3, the law was our schoolmaster, that we might be justified. And at the end of Galatians 3, he switches from we to you when he talks to the Gentiles, and he does the same thing here. He says, because you are sons... Yahweh has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. Some translations here say your hearts. I think the best ones say our. I think there's a reason for that. And it says crying, Abba, Father. And this is a beautiful verse. What Paul has been saying about his fellow Israelites, he now applies to the nations, to those who were out of the covenant, to those who did not grow up in the Torah, to those who were not circumcised on the eighth day and never learned the Shema and may have never even knew the name of Yahweh or, or the Shema or any of the commandments up until a time of adulthood in their life, whether male or female. That's who he's talking about here. Yahweh has sent the Spirit of His Son into, into not just our hearts, meaning Israel, but into our hearts, meaning everybody. 
He's playing off of Galatians 3.28 where he says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave or free. We are all one in the Messiah. One means equal on the same level, salvifically on the same level, on the same plane. He sent the Spirit into my heart, Paul, who was raised as a Hebrew, and he sent the Spirit into Cornelius' heart, who wasn't raised as a Hebrew. Acts chapter 10. And he says here to the Gentiles, he's already told them they were children of Abraham by faith, Galatians 3, 7 and 9. Children of Yahweh by faith, Galatians 3, 26 through 27. And he mentions it again in 4 verse 6 to show that they receive adoption just like the Hebrew people. And because you are sons or children, Yahweh has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, everybody. The word Spirit, when it says Yahweh sent the Spirit of His Son, I believe the word Spirit here refers to a state of mind or a way of thinking. And it's because you have been changed. I believe that's what Paul means. The Spirit of Yahweh's Son means that you think and you speak and you live the way of the Son. You no longer live the way of Matthew or Jerry or Ron or Rocket. You no longer live the way of, of, of us. But He sent the Spirit of His Son. You ever heard somebody say to somebody else, you've got a good spirit? Or that person's got team spirit. Well, Yahweh sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. And He says, thereby we cry out, Abba, Father. The word Father is the English translation of the word Abba. And the word Abba in the Greek text of Galatians is transliterated from the Aramaic to the Greek. Paul writes Abba in Greek, but it is originally an Aramaic or Hebrew word. And I think what Paul is getting at here is this, is that because you've been adopted into the family by faith in the Son, you become a son or a daughter, and you call Yahweh the same thing that Yeshua calls Yahweh. He said, Abba. You say Abba. I think that's what Paul means. Brothers and sisters, you know, that ought to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. That we are joint heirs with Christ. And everything that He inherits, we inherit. Not because, not because I'm as good as Him, or not because I've done everything that He's done. I sure do try to, but I, I mess up a lot. <laughs> but I try to be like Christ because I think that's what we're supposed to do. But I mess up a lot. Brother John, I do. But I'm a, jo- a joint heir with the Messiah. An heir of, of Yahweh and a joint heir with, with the Messiah. That's what Paul's getting at. You're no longer a slave in the house, but you're a child. Remember when the prodigal son came back to his father and he said, maybe he'll just make me a slave. Maybe he'll make me a servant. And the dad ran out to see him. And he said, kill the fatted calf, put a robe on him and put the gold ring on his finger. Or my son who was once lost, now is found. You're not going to be my servant. You're my son. You're my son. Both those in Israel who were raised in the law and all those from the nations that weren't raised in the law are equal once they believe in Christ. 
And you say, well, Brother Matthew, you know, don't you believe this? Don't you believe that? Don't you believe He changes the heart? And we become obedient to the commandments. And of course, you guys know I believe all that. But we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> we're talking about what forgives us of our sins and what changes us into new creatures. It's Almighty Yahweh. He's the one that does it. We would never have a desire to do anything right or holy or just if Yahweh would not have given us another start, a fresh beginning. When we place confidence and faith in the Messiah. We don't have to fear. We don't have to worry. The Galatians didn't have to obey the Judaizers' demands in order to become a child. They were already children of Yahweh by faith. The Spirit of Yahweh's Son was already in their hearts because Yahweh put it there. And they cried out, Abba, right along with Yeshua. Because they were His, they were his kin now. They were His brother. They were His sister. I'm talking about the household of faith. Scripture talks about the household of faith. Yeshua says, whoever does the will of my father is my brother, my sister, my mother. Not everyone that's born a Hebrew, but those who do something. We're children by faith. Galatians 4, 1-7 through is the Gospel. And I never grow weary of hearing about how my sins are forgiven. Uh, my mom and dad used to sing a song when I was growing up in church. And there was a line in the song that says, Over and over, please tell it again. The precious old story of love. I never grow weary of hearing it told. The precious old story of love. Brothers and sisters, Yahweh loved us so much that He sent forth His Son in the fullness of time. Born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those which were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, Yahweh has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba. Father, because we're part of that family. I know that I have sinned against Yahweh so many times and asked Him to forgive me for the same things so many times. And don't fool yourself. Everybody else that you meet has as well. doesn't matter how holy they look, sound, or act. They have as well. They have as well. I know I would be lost if not for Yahweh's mercy. I know these things, and that's why the gospel message, the gospel of grace in Christ is so sweet to me. That's why it means so much to me, is because I know that without it, I would not even have an opportunity for salvation. Yahweh sent His Son for a sinner like Matthew, and He changed me into a saint so I could receive a placing as a son. Yahweh placed me as a son. wasn't naturally born, but I was placed. And you're part of the family too. And it's such a great family. Such a great family. Has anybody ever had the experience? I've had the experience of meeting somebody in my family. I'm talking household of faith that I'd never known before, never laid eyes on before, never talked to before, but I met them and boom, we just hit it off. You know why? Because they were either a son or a daughter of the Most High. (laughs) The same Spirit of the Son that Yahweh put in my heart, He put in their heart. We both cry out, Abba. We're part of the same family. We may not have ever met each other, but we're part of the same family. It's such a great family. 
Never forget that you can talk to Yahweh in heaven and call Him Father. When we say our Father which art in heaven, sometimes it becomes mundane, it becomes common to us because we say it all the time. He's our Father. He's our loving Father. Never forget that. He listens to His children. He hears your cries. He sees your tears. You are His child. You are His son. You are His daughter because you have placed faith in what He has done in sending out His Son. Very, very important.